Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Ball Hawks podcast. We are live on the Dean Bundell Network. Uh, this is episode number 32, and it is a happy episode because we've got one Ravens fan, me, and one Seahawks fan, that guy that I'm going to talk about in a second, and we're both winners this week! Woo! Uh, so, yeah, we... Both are winners for, I believe, the first time. I'm trying to... I, I should have actually thought about this before I started talking, but... Um, week two? Yeah, maybe week two. Um, yeah, we... Uh, episode number 32, I am joined here, record-setting 32nd time. Oddly enough, Christopher Pacha Phillips. What's happening today? <laughs> <laughs> I muted myself. There you go. You uh, muted yourself. <laughs> I was, I was saying, can you at least uh, start using <laughs> people that I know who you're talking about? Because these last like three weeks now, you've been using these sidekicks that I haven't heard of, and everyone gets to see how stupid i look so thanks steve oh wait a second wait a second last week i gave you barney rubble you knew who barney rubble was okay fine i I did i did know that one that's right okay Um, so when i say it you're gonna be like oh that's right last week was a long time ago though yeah pacha is from emperor's new groove so you haven't seen that i i have (sighs) seen that one but not a lot (sighs) oh Welcome to the Ballhawks podcast, where Chris doesn't watch any movies. So, uh, thanks for joining. <laughs> ah, uh, good timing, Reza. I was taking a drink of my my beer there um, spit it all to over call me out on on not watching movies, <laughs> Mister Pot calling the kettle black. That's there, right. I think. Um, yeah, man, I'm doing well. You know, another week, uh, some more football. Um, you know, like you said, we're, we're both winners this week, which is, I think, actually the first time all season. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so thankful for that. Um, happy to be here, of course. Ballhawks podcast presented by uh, the Dean Blundell Network. Uh, you guys can find me over on Twitter, as it says there, at PhillipsChris12. Don't forget to follow the podcast account at ballhawks underscore pod which is now running across the ticker there also and i i wasn't listening uh but in case he missed it uh don't forget steve at ss fisher 87 as well um what's going on dude how was your uh yeah i mean i know you say every sunday is a good sunday but how was sunday in the uh fisher household this week you know it's a little better it's always better after you know a sunday ravens win but uh got to play a little baseball my baseball's still going strong uh had a good outing a couple strikeouts from pitching 
almost jacked myself a good dinger, but pulled it foul. Um, just night. Eight, in- <laughs> eight inches short again? <laughs> no, way <laughs> to the left. Way to the left. There's nothing short about that shot, that's for sure. Um, yeah, just nice being out playing sports with buddies again. Uh, how was your Sunday? Yeah, good. I mean, pretty typical Sunday in the Phillips household. Um, Olivia had swimming lessons. I went grocery shopping. I watched the Seahawks game and went up to my parents' house for dinner. So it's actually a really, really uh, quiet uh, day in the Phillips household. Nothing crazy. My, my son was on a bit of a tear today. Like, Uh-oh. I, I, yeah, oh my God, dude. <laughs> like, if somebody has a cage that would fit a four-year-old, please let me know because I, <laughs> I need one really bad. Um, please, I, you know, DM me. I will send you my address and please send it, forward it to my address because uh, I need to lock that kid up, man. Oh, so, I, th- I thought you meant like a, a helmet with a cage on it. I was like, are you going to start gloves and helmets early with that kid or something? <laughs> no, I'm going to lock him up because he's a psycho. Okay. So I, I learned today um, if Carter is making, if you can hear Carter playing or if Carter's like, Carter likes to talk to himself while he's playing or like, he'll like, you know, be like super into, into whatever game he's playing or, or whatever. So if you can hear Carter, that's a good sign. <laughs> really good sign. If all of a sudden Carter gets really, really quiet, he's up to no good. Troubles are brewing. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get up off the couch. You gotta stop what you're doing if you're washing dishes, making dinner, <laughs> watching football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you you have to stop what you're doing and you have to find Carter and find out what the hell he's doing. Find find so, him and find him quick. Yeah, so here's what silent Carter did today. Um, he was playing really good you know, make a lot of noise. And all of a sudden it was just like, just like ghost silent. I'm like, what the hell's going on? So I get up off the couch. I go see what he's doing. Sticking toys down his pants. (laughs) That's not that bad though. Like of all the things he could be getting into, he's just putting toys down his pants. Down his underwear though. Yeah. That's not, not overly sanitary. And they were his, they were his sister's toys. So thank God Olivia was upstairs because she would have been pissed. Um, Carter also today, uh, Nadine and Olivia were doing like some like friendship bracelet type thing. And there were scissors on the table and somehow Carter got a hold of the scissors and was sitting on the floor quietly, cut a hole in his shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that one's obviously a little more dangerous. Um, but before we get to football stuff, I'm going to call you out on two well, duh, kind of moments that you just had there. Um, you are not exclusive to if your child is not making noise, troubles a brew. And that's just like, there is no worse, more eerie of a sound than when you can't hear a sound coming from your kids because you're like, uh-oh, something bad's happened. So, I mean, you got away with an easy one there. He didn't cut himself. Probably not the best that he has scissors. Sticking stuff down his pants and saying it's not sanitary? Are you new to this? Nothing <laughs> these kids do are sanitary. Like, 
I had to stop my kid today from they dump. We were at the ballpark, dumped the goldfish out, and I was like, "No, no, no! Don't eat them off the ground." Where everybody was spitting and like dragging their feet, kind of thing. And they're like, "Whoa, what am I gonna eat?" Yeah. So, so just just to um, I guess further the 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 point of yeah, kids aren't sanitary. So yet yesterday when I was at work, I get a text from my wife, and she goes, "Your son is effing disgusting." <laughs> I'm like, uh-oh, what happened now? She goes, I pulled clothing out for both kids, so for both Olivia and Carter, who are, I mean, Carter's birthday is coming up. He's almost four. Olivia's going to be seven next month. And Nadine was like, pulled out their clothing, said, get dressed. I'm going to go get myself dressed while you guys are doing that. Make sure you go pee. Make sure you get dressed, blah, 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 blah. The whole, the whole works, right? So anyways, Carter gets himself fully undressed and then goes to go pee and pees in the bathtub. Not and like, I was telling this story to my parents tonight and my parents are like, Oh yeah. Like pee in the bathtub. Like make sure you drain it. Like time to like drain the bathtub or whatever. I'm like, no, no, no. Carter wasn't having a bath. Carter went to the bathroom, went to go pee, was standing in front of the toilet and decided, Nope. Climbed into the bathtub and pissed in the bathtub. (laughs) I mean, again, on the scale of like, Uh, Oh, it's it's harmless. It's harmless stuff. But like, it's, it's just the the thing that I'm just like, you might want to thank the kid. You didn't have to like uh, spend any money by him flushing and using any energy. It's just falling down the drain. Because no, 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 no. It wasn't full. He'd like, pissed down the middle of the bathtub nadine came in, into the bathroom there's like she's like there was like a yellow streak down the middle of the bath she's, so she's like i had to turn on the shower to clean out his pee from no, the bath like funny. it wasn't like a uh just a you know harmless like yeah peeing down down the drain no it's like i mean i, I get it boys will be boys and boys are gonna pee anywhere but like uh if anybody wants a four-year-old i have one for sale that's all i have to say <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll second that with an almost four year old. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, if Child day. Protective Services is listening, I'm just kidding. GK. But if, yeah, if anybody wants to take me up on that deal, seriously, DM me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into some football talk here. Enough about our kids peeing in bathtubs, which isn't that bad. I, you know what? I, I got to add one more in there because Alyssa just showed me this picture uh, of my son Easton. She goes. Look what Easton did when uh, he was drop. They were dropping her off at preschool, and there's just a picture of him. You can see his ass clear as day. There's a tree right in front of him, and he just ran off to the nearest tree, whipped him down, and just started peeing everywhere. And I guess all the mums were like pointing over, like giggling, and Alyssa's like, "That's my boy. That's my boy." Has anyone seen my kid, <laughs> mommy? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> wrong, wrong parent wrong yeah. parent <laughs> sorry buddy i don't know who you are <laughs> yeah hopefully child protective services isn't listening um okay a little nfl recap we had a little bit of a wild week three uh sorry week four here um but three was the number this week we had three three and O teams lose today as of currently right now, we don't know what's going to happen on the Monday night football game. Um, and 
What? So my question with this is, you know, we had uh, the, why am I drawing a blank? The Rams, the Broncos, and the Panthers. There we go. Uh, three, yeah. three and O teams to lose their first game of the season. My question to you, Chris, is which one of these teams has the most to worry about? I would say starting off 3-0, nobody really has a whole lot to worry about. But is there one team that stands out as someone that maybe they're not their 3-0 self? I mean, I don't know if I'd say really any of those teams have anything to worry about. Like, the Broncos are probably, I don't want to say lucky to start 3-0, but like, the Broncos starting off 3-0 was a bit of a surprise. The Panthers starting off 3-0 was definitely a surprise. Um the Rams, I guess everyone kind of expected. Like, I guess maybe the Rams, because like they took an absolute ass kicking from the Cardinals today, mm-hmm. like thirty losing 37-22. Um, I mean to any team, but to especially a, a division rival. So I guess maybe I would say the the Rams just based on the fact that they lost to a division rival. Mm-hmm. So that of course if you know, who is also three and oh. So now the, the Cardinals are now four and oh. Um so you know that that affects the, the Rams as far as like playoff seeding and winning the division and what have you. And then I guess just in, in the manner in, in which they lost. Um I mean, nobody expected the Broncos to beat the Ravens today. Uh, nobody probably, I'd be very surprised if anyone picked the Panthers to beat the Cowboys, which I mean, and even then, like the, the, the Panthers, they were in it for, you know, a good chunk of the game. Like the, they're at one point I, I texted my uncle who is the Cowboys fan. I was like, wait, is Sam Darnold good? <laughs> like, is he legit like, right now? Yeah. Like, is, is, is he is he good? And we've all just like, is it like, you know, again, clearly proven that Adam Gase had no idea what he was doing when it came to coaching. Like, you know, Matt Nagy is the new Adam Gase. Um, <laughs> like, so yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to say the Rams. What, what do you think? Yeah. You know what? I, I came up with this just cause I, I thought it was funny that or not funny, just kind of bizarre that all three of those three and O teams lose on the same day. My first reaction was I wasn't so, you know, worried for LA because they're so loaded with talent. They also lost to a 3-0 and team. Yes, it's a division rival, but uh, now the cards are 4-0. Um, they've beat the Bucks, they've beat the Colts, they beat the Bears. I don't think they have anything necessarily to worry about. Here's my dilemma with the other two trying to pick one, we have the Panthers beat the Jets, the Saints and the Texans. Okay, well, Jets and Texans should be wins on basically everybody's schedule, right? Saints probably not, but maybe early season, uh, as they're learning life without Drew Brees, maybe you'd give them, you know, a little one there, but it's still a game within their reach. Then you have the Broncos, they beat the Jets again, the Jaguars, Again, another win. And then the Giants, who just got their first win today. So for me, it's hard to pick between one of those two teams. Uh, And then I I tried thinking, well, what's the rest of their schedule like? Like maybe that's going to uh, sway my vote. And you've got the Broncos, who are in the division with the Chiefs. That's worrisome. But then on the other side, you got the Panthers who are in the division with the Bucks. <laughs> so it's like they're like this perfect 3-0 like mirrors of each other uh, that both lost. So I'm going to the only deciding factor I'm going to use here 
is the fact that I saw Teddy Bridgewater go out uh, in the half against the Ravens. Uh, so they're going to be potentially without a quarterback it, next week. It was a concussion. We don't know how serious it is, but if we know anything about concussions, they're just unpredictable. So Broncos dealing with life with Drew Locke, uh, I might say they're in the most trouble. Um, yeah. But let, let- yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. And I think I didn't pick the Broncos or the Panthers because, I mean, at best, going into this season, they were only going to be wild card teams, anyways. Yeah. So that's that's why I leaned more towards the Rams because the Rams are going to be, you know, in the hunt for, you know, winning their division. You know, maybe one of those top two or three teams in the conference, like maybe trying to get that home field advantage. Um, especially the, they, the way they looked the last three weeks. I mean, beating the defending defending champion uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week. Um, you know, they're looking pretty hot, right? So, um, you know, it, it could be maybe a bit of a snowball effect as far as like, you know, maybe you see the wheels fall off now, which I mean, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> Seahawks versus Rams next week. I hope so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that's why I kind of lean more towards the Rams just cause I, I think it affects them as far as like seeding and home field advantage more than those other two guys. So it was more of just like an impactful loss, maybe not necessarily you're worried about them long term, right. but you're right. Yeah. That, that's yeah. a good point. Um, let's flip this question on its head because we also had three oh and three teams get their first win this week. Uh, we have the Colts uh, who beat the Dolphins. We have the Jets who beat the Titans in overtime. And we have their counterparts uh, in New York who also won in overtime against the Saints. Um, so my question with this one is, who, which one of those teams has the most to be excited about in terms of are they actually for real? Let's say you have to pick one. Um, let's go with the Colts. Because, the, I mean, the Colts started off the season pretty tough. I mean, they had the Seahawks to start. I think they played the Rams in week two. I can't remember who they played in week three. Um, so th- They had a pretty tough start to the year. Um, and then their division rival, the Titans lost to one of those other teams, the Jets today. Right. So, um, that kind of opens the door for them a little bit. Um, the Jets aren't going to compete in the AFC East. The Giants aren't going to compete in the NFC East. So yeah, I, I would say of those three teams, uh, you know, if I was a fan of that team, I would be the most excited for the Colts uh, picking up their first win of the year. Yeah. I mean, that was probably going to be my pick. So I'll go a different route with this. I'm actually going to say the jets and for the exact same reason that you gave me earlier. And that's the fact that them beating the Titans puts a bit of a, late season wrinkle in terms of probably a wild card team potentially, uh, or maybe for, uh, the division there, you never know if the Colts are going to come back. Um, well, that's kind of later to be seen, but I, the jets had a bit of a tough schedule, uh, to start the year. They played the Panthers when they were kind of rolling they played a Patriots team who always plays that team tough. And then uh, they played 
in Denver and got tromped by them 26 nothing. So, you know, something to build off of. You've got a, a young quarterback who can't lose time and time and time again. You can see what it was doing to Trevor Lawrence in his post-game uh, conference, and you can see what it did to Urban Meyer. Uh, where he, yeah, went, he went and grinded up on some chick half his age in a bar in Ohio. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's something to be said about a young quarterback getting their first win and not just getting steamrolled over and over. So um, I, I like the Jets to take a, a win there uh, against a team that could potentially be in a wild card, card race against uh, the Ravens. Yeah, and I, I will say um, as well. With I, I was watching a bit of that, a bit of that overtime because um, I was frustrated by the Seahawks in the first half. So I was flipping around watching games that were maybe <laughs> going to put a smile on my face. And uh, after the Jets kicked the field goal in overtime, it looked like Zach Wilson was on the bench saying like, "This game should be over right now." Like he was, he he wasn't happy that they had to settle for a field goal. Um, so, which is, that's great. That's what you want to see out of your, you know, franchise quarterback is that like, I don't want to settle for three points. Like I don't want to score a goddamn touchdown. Like let's, let's, you know, uh, step on their throats and, and end this thing sort of, sort of mentality. Right. Right. There's just something about getting that winning mentality. You kind of build that culture of we've got to go for this instead of just, being everybody's whipping boy for, you know, your whole career. You can see what it did to Darnold um, in New York, and he's kind of just trying to get out of that now. Yeah, I mean, like New York, like, I guess, oh, man. Um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I, New I've York, Sunday, oh, man. I've, yeah, I've, I've got the Sunday night game on <laughs> again here. Um, and the Patriots uh, just attempted a 56-yard field goal. Uh, which would have put them up 20 to 19 and it doinked off the left upright and Ooh. no good. So it looks like the bucks are going to come away with this victory. Um, but yeah, like being in New York, like, I mean, that that's a like media Mecca, right? Like totally everyone, you know, to, to compare it, I guess, to hockey, like everyone always talks about, uh, you know, playing in a Canadian market in the NHL and how tough it is to play in a Canadian market in the NHL. And I mean, you and I see it living in BC and being Canucks fans. Like, yeah, the, the media is really hard on our professional hockey franchise. Um, so I, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be, uh, you know, the, the starting quarterback for, a football team in New York. It just like constant pressure. Like you've got to feel, you know, your seats always hot. Like you got to feel that iron always on the back of your neck. Like you just like, there, there's no room to get comfortable and, and just like be able to, you know, play your style of football because everyone's, you know, everything's getting just picked apart. And it's always win now, right? It's Absolutely. even if you're in a rebuild, it's still like, we want to be in a rebuild, but we want to see you develop like, you know, consistently. That's why there was such a big thing with the Darnold seeing ghosts thing, right? Like put so much pressure on him. Um, well, let's, uh, we have one more thing on the NFL recap docket here, and it's what we were just talking about. 
And that's Brady returns to Gillette Stadium in Foxborough uh, to face the team that he put back on the map. Um, the team that put he made on the map, period. Like, the team that he made arguably the greatest dynasty in sports, you could say, since it spanned for so long. Um, and he also was, I can't remember how many, like a handful of passing yards away from overtaking Drew Brees for the most passing yards. Um, it, did you see pregame how they were talking about uh, if and when, I think it was more like when he gets the record, we're not going to stop play. There won't be any special ceremony or anything like that. And I was just thinking to myself, that's kind of, I don't know, it, it as a non-Patriots fan and not really having anything in there or not being a huge Brady fan, I still, it just didn't rub me the right way that you, this guy did everything for that team and you can't stop play for 90 seconds, 100 seconds to give him a little tribute for everything that he's done for that franchise. I, I don't know. What did you think? I, so I, I didn't actually hear that in the pregame. My, my kids were running around my parents' house like yahoos, but I think he needed like 67 yards to tie and 68 to I think surpass like Drew Brees, something, something like that. Yeah, my, my, my dad was asking me before the game, and I, I looked it up, and I think those were the numbers. Um, and after he beat it, like I, I said to my dad, I'm like, it's really weird that they didn't stop the game. Right. Um, but it, it, it does feel like a very Tom Brady type of thing to do being like, no, like don't stop the game. Like I don't want my rhythm. Like I don't want my rhythm interrupted. I don't want, don't want my offense interrupted. Like I, like it's not about me. Like just like we'll celebrate after the fact. Like, like, but but again, isn't that the interesting part? Him saying it's not about him. The decision is also not up to him. It's not in his stadium. Like it's the stadium he built but he's the guest like they could have if I feel like if I knew Brady well enough and he's a rhythm guy, I would have stopped it and like heaped his praises to try and like cut that rate out maybe. Right. But I mean, did you also see the start? Like, so they cheered when the Buccaneers took the field, they all the fans cheered Tom Brady, but as soon as the Buccaneers offense took the field for the first game, they booed him. Right. So like, and and maybe, so maybe that has a part, of it of it as well is that it wasn't in his home stadium because you know when breeze beat the record it was in uh new orleans and they stopped the game and they gave him a plaque and presented him the ball and there was a big you know what to do about it all so i'm I'm sure there will be a celebration you know probably next time the buccaneers are at home they'll they'll do something before the game but yeah I, i definitely did think it was weird that uh that they didn't stop the game and, and, and at least acknowledge the fact. And so, I mean, I know they put something up on, on the big screen in Foxborough as well, but I just feel like it, it needed to be more right. Like he, he surpassed Drew Brees. He's going to further cement himself as the goat, um, which there's no question in my mind, uh, you know, throughout this year, he's, he's going to just put that much more distance between him and now, whoever's you know whoever's next like whoever might even try to come close to him which i i don't even know who's top five right now but no uh yeah i agree i don't even think he needs any of these records like everything he's been doing even for the last i don't don't know even when he got five super bowl rings like it was just 
oh, Brady's winning again. Like, we cannot yeah. stop this guy. Uh, so for me, everything he's been doing lately is just gravy on the train for just cementing the fact that he is far and above the greatest football player. Uh, okay. So I, I was just saying before we had some tech issues there that uh, everything that we've done basically is cementing his legacy. But for me, he's far and above the greatest football player uh, who's ever played the game. And it's not even a question. And I am not a Brady fan. I've really disliked him for many years competing against the Ravens, but like you just have to recognize talent. He's that good. You you have to respect it, right? Like totally. you, you have to eventually, <clears throat> excuse me, reach the, the, you know, the point of maturity to be able to respect Tom Brady. Um, here's an interesting question for you, Steve. Um, I mean, of course, being Canadian, we're hockey guys. I don't know. I, I like football more than I like hockey. I don't know about you, but I like hockey. It's fun to watch, but I, I prefer watching football. Anyways, remember when Wayne Gretzky hung up his skates and the NHL retired the number 99 all across the yeah. league? Do you think, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but do you think if the NFL so decided, would Tom Brady be, uh, you know, would he qualify for the same type of honor? Should should the league retire the number 12 league-wide? I think the different, there, there's a couple differences with retiring something league-wide like this. One, uh, I, I'd have to go back and fact-check myself here, but I don't think there was anyone else wearing the number 99 like I I, I I don't actually maybe there was like a couple ham and eggers that kind of came along and were like oh I'm gonna wear 99 too because Wayne Gretzky and teams probably were like dude don't do that that's stupid it's, uh, it's like when you see someone else wearing 87 right You're like, what the, like what are you doing yeah I mean it's just one of those things like it's the highest number you can wear in a jersey before they start going triple digits and he he was so and still is so far and above the like there's records that probably are never going to be touched now with that being said i know we're not a hockey podcast but like ovechkin's coming close to it he's still going to have to go on a tear and he's like this generation's greatest scorer ever uh so i i feel like tom might have to put some more of those personal numbers up for it to be uh, in the question, but 12 is such a common number out there that I just don't think uh, that they would ever do that, to be honest. Well, because you have to think, like, Aaron Rodgers wears 12, so it's getting re- it's getting retired in Green Bay. Yeah. Uh, it's already retired in Seattle. Um, is it retired in... I don't think Dallas retires numbers. I think Dallas, mm. like does the old Toronto Maple Leaf where it's like, we're going to honor the guy, but we're not going to retire it. But like, I think Staubach wore 12 as well. So there's definitely other, you know, other prominent, didn't Terry Bradshaw wear 12 also? So there's also like, there are prominent players that, I mean, I mean, Aaron Rodgers currently wearing number 12. I'm, I'm, I would have to, you know, go back and fact check myself on Staubach and, and, and Bradshaw. Um, but I, I, I will say if there is one player that does, you know, qualify for that sort of honor and that sort of designation, it, it would be 
Tom Brady. Um, Definitely. But, like if we're just talking about, is he the player that qualifies for it? Definitely. Like there's no player that's even close to qualifying like he does. Um, the difference is Gretzky's numbers are so ridiculously better than the second place. Per- like for example, he had almost what was like 2,900 points and the next highest person hasn't even cracked 2000 points. Like that's it. That's so far and above better. Like if we're talking Brady is this much further ahead than every other football player, then like Gretzky is off the charts. Uh, but you are right, Chris, if there is a person uh, who would qualify for that, I would I would have to agree and say that uh, Tom Brady is until Justin C- Tucker hits a 70 yard field goal. <laughs> um, but um, let, you know, oh, go ju- ahead. Ju- Justin, uh, temporary 99 overall oh. in Madden. Tucker, Man, that EA sports hit got like, just just go for it, guys. Like send the guy his gold cleats and like oh, just man. let him be part of the 99 club like it he's the i'm best sorry player like, at it, his it doesn't position. and that's the thing it doesn't really mean anything anyways like no. you know what i mean like it's like send him his gold cleats like you do for everyone his else who's part of the 99 thing. club and let him let him be the first ever kicker like i think he's I think he's kind of earned that that right to right. be the first kicker that's in the 99 club. Um, but it's just EA doing EA things. And, yeah. I, I, sometimes yeah. I feel like they're a lot like Starbucks where Starbucks will purposely put someone's wrong name on the cup just to get publicity. And I feel like they kind of do that as well to a T. It's, it's free marketing, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's get into your recap of the Seahawks. They were on the road in Santa Clara, like we talked about, to play your least favorite team, the heated rival between you and the 49ers. Uh, we can see the bottom of the ticker. They beat them 28 to 21, and you've also changed all of our stuff to Seahawks green. Perfect. Let us know about it. <laughs> I love green. Um, I'm smash. going to start this segment off with saying I was fully prepared to come on this podcast tonight and break my rules from last week and <laughs> yell on the bus. Um, I, I tweeted at Michaela earlier. Uh, we were both voicing our dis- displeasure about the Seahawks on on Twitter. And I was like, I tweeted at her. I was like, I can already hear myself yelling into my <laughs> microphone. <laughs> like, it, yeah. it was, it was honestly the most frustrating and probably ugliest first half or any half or whatever. Like, it was the ugliest Seahawks football I have ever probably seen. Wow. At least for sure in the Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll era. Like, there's wow. no question. It was the ugliest uh, Seahawks football I've seen in that era, if not ever. And uh, I mean, I've, I've been a fan for coming on 20 years here. And yeah, man, it was like at, at one point, I can't remember what happened, but it's just like I, I got up. I was like, oh, for sakes. Like, <laughs> and, I, and my wife thought I was getting mad about one of the kids, but I was like, and I was just like, I just stormed off and went and did some laundry and like, you know, I don't know, threw it in the dryer or whatever. I was, I was doing laundry at the same time as the Seahawks game today, but it's just like 
normally when the Seahawks are playing, I'm like, no, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to watch the game. I'll do my laundry when the game's done sort of thing. But I was like, no, like I need to get up and like remove myself and distract myself and like get away from this. Cause it was that <laughs> bad, Steve, like j- just to put it into perspective, it took the Seahawks 25 minutes to get their first, first down of the game. Wow. Like wow. 25 minutes. Yikes. That's basically the entire first half just to get a first down, let alone like, let alone a score. Like it just, yeah, it was, it was ugly. Um, a couple positives I want to point out. Uh, Nick Ballore, uh, you know, special teams ace special teams pro bowler and team captain <laughs> had another huge special teams tackle he absolutely blew up uh brandon Ayuk on a uh i believe it's a punt yeah it was, it was a punt uh both Bellor's helmet came off Ayuk's helmet came off uh just a complete like just cream corn like crushed him um, we, we saw, uh, you know, some vintage Russell Wilson, uh, return today. He had a nice, really nice, uh, 12 yard run to get a first down today. Uh, he had a 16 yard run to get a touchdown and I freaked out when he scored that touchdown. I was like jumping up and down and who hollering Russ. and fist pumping. My do- my kids were coming upstairs being like, daddy, I heard you yelling again. <laughs> <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah it's just like it, I, I even tweeted like Vin, like we have not seen russell wilson bust one like that in a long time that's 20 year old russ right like yeah that was i mean he, going into the season i i i said it like he looks a lot leaner this year he looks a lot skinnier like you know trying to you know be a little bit faster probably with as his hips and knees and everything else gets gets a little bit older trying to not have you know so much weight for those joints to have to push forward um but like he i mean he outran a defensive tackle which i mean javon kinlaw really good but as he was getting close to the uh to the end zone he was like three yards out he's like i'm gonna get hit so he just dove for the pylon Hmm. like reached out like full superman like uh you know dove for the end zone got the touchdown which I don't like, I'm sure he had, had some rushing touchdowns last year, but they are probably all within five, 10 yards, not, not a 16 yard, you know, little baby burst that he, that he had t- today. Um, Quandary Diggs had an interception today, which I think was not only the first Seahawks interception of the season, but I'm pretty sure it was the first turnover of the entire season, um, which they ended up having a fumble <laughs> recovery as well today. So they had two, uh, two turnovers today uh, and uh, didn't give the ball up at all. So they won the turnover battle, which of course is really important if you're, you know, if you're, especially if you're trying to win games and when your offense comes out and they're looking pretty stagnant, uh, you know, it takes 25 minutes to get a first down. Um, it, winning the turnover battle is super, super important. Um, if you're going to even have a chance to try to win the game, Um so yeah, so I, I was happy to see that Diggs, uh, you know, intercepted Garoppolo, uh, just jumped right in front of the route. It was a really nice, like, like, you know, like I'm sure you've heard the, you know, the the joke. It's like 
oh, that guy can't catch, put him on defense. <laughs> and uh, Diggs proved today that he's got some hands. He didn't use his body to secure the interception. He put his, stuck his hands out, secured it, and, uh, I mean, he was basically tackled right away. But, um, you know, it's just too bad. The offense uh, did nothing with it, and they went three and out right after the interception. <laughs> um it was uh yeah a couple other positives um the seahawks god finally finally pete carroll i'll call him pete carroll this week cheeto carroll yeah i'll I'll pull away the, (laughs) the the pete coward this week um pete carroll finally 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 benched trey flowers Oh, wow. Thank God. Wow. So not, and not only did he bench Trey Flowers, he moved DJ Reed back over to the right cornerback position. Like you've been saying. Which, yeah, which is where he's excelled uh, or where he excelled last year. Um, and then they started Sidney Jones at the left cornerback position. Um, you could tell the Niners were actually like – having DJ Reed back on the right side, they actually didn't try DJ Reed too often, which is super unusual for a right-handed cornerback uh, or quarterback. Excuse me. Um, they're always going to try kind of that. I mean, I guess, you know, their left or the, or the defense, right. Um, they're always going to try that side because that's kind of where they're looking, right? Like that's their strong side. So that's the, the DB they're always going to try. I mean, you know, in Seattle, they always had Richard Sherman playing the left side. So we're so used to seeing our, our right side being, you know, kind of picked on a, a, a little bit. Um, the Niners, for the most part, they actually avoided DJ Reed on the right side hmm. today. They, they, they went, they for sure went after Sidney Jones um, today. Um, he, Sidney Jones did, did give up apparently two touchdowns. Um, the, the, the second one is, is a bit questionable. Uh, there was a, a, busted coverage and Debo Samuel was somehow left wide open for a 70, 60 yard touchdown. Wow. Um, yeah. Like, you know, at, at first glance, um, myself included, I blamed Jamal Adams. And then some people were saying, no, it was Marquise Blair's fault. And then after the game, Pete Carroll actually said it was um, Sidney Jones's fault. So, hmm. yeah. So it, it was a busted coverage. It was a miscommunic- miscommunication. It's hard to, you know, fault, one particular guy for that. I mean, especially when it's a guy like Sidney Jones, who's making his first start of the season. And not only his first start, his first defensive snaps. Yeah. He hasn't seen the field all year yet. Um, and he's playing in a new system. Uh, the, the first touchdown he gave up to Ross Dwelly. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him make a play on the ball. Um, I mean, it looked like Dwelly kind of got the inside route on him. Um, but when they broke, like when they broke it down and again, I mean, it's in slow motion and it's hard to tell like what's happening in real time, but in, in slow motion, it at least looked like Jones could have at least got his front hand out to at least try to make a play on the ball or at least maybe distract Dwelly. But instead he just kind of went to like wrap him up with the front hand and try to make a play on the ball with the backhand. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was kind of weird. Uh, like like I said, I would have liked to have seen him maybe just clean that up a little bit. Um, but I was happy with, with him. I mean, Christ, he was a lot better than Trey Flowers. He, <laughs> he he wasn't getting, you know, 
beat like a you know you know whipping mule. He wasn't being taken for a ride by anyone today. Uh, played a good, hard, strong game. I was really happy with Sidney Jones Jones's game. Other than those, I mean, they. It, I would say other than that one touchdown, even not even the second touchdown, because no, nobody blamed him for that second touchdown until Pete Carroll said, no, it was actually his fault. Um, but that's kind of an interesting take, though. We've talked about this on the podcast before, where there's a blown coverage somewhere or there's a big play that goes against your team. And some people think it's this player and some people think it's that player. And every, everybody's pointing fingers everywhere. It's the defensive coordinator or whatever it is. <laughs> But until you're actually in those meeting rooms or like you're hearing from the coaches themselves, it's really hard to say what was their defensive responsibility on this. Um, you, you can get a good idea based on like, oh, history says we play, you know, for example, a cover three going this way in this situation on a cover three. This would be this person's responsibility. But until you're actually in the meeting rooms or like a head coach comes out and says, yes, that was Sidney Jones's responsibility, um, you can't really... Unless it's very obvious, like, you know, a tackle getting beat one-on-one by an edge rusher or something. Right. Yeah. And that's like, there's some frustrating moments like late in the game. Um, So the Niners actually uh, played uh, rookie quarterback Trey Lance. Right. He played the entire second half. Yeah. Which apparently Garoppolo has a calf injury, which some people are like, does he really? Or (laughs) like, was he just not? We was want just you to take a fall. The, yeah, right? Like, hey, Jimmy. And, like, you know, they Tanya, hurts, Hard- yeah, they Tanya Harding him as he's walking back through the tunnel at yeah. halftime. <laughs> I mean, um, it was funny. I saw this uh, on Twitter where someone said, uh, Jimmy G is one ply, which I, I thought was pretty funny. But unfortunately, he got it wrong. Usually, the higher the ply, the softer you are. So it's like, you know, that's it's actually like a really common hockey chirp is like, oh, you're 10 ply bud, meaning yeah. you're very soft. But his reasoning was, you know, because you you'll rip through the paper if it's one ply. So I thought it was still right. kind of funny. Yeah, my my favorite is you're softer than baby shit. But <laughs> 10 ply works, too. <laughs> ten ply works. <laughs> um, other than that, I mean, it was kind of a classic Seahawks game where. Um, the Seahawks only showed up for half the game, right? I mean, like I said, it took 25 minutes to get their first uh, first down of the game. Defense looked a little bit better uh, in the first half than, than the offense, but even that, um, the, the, the Seahawks were very, very lucky to come out of the first half, tied 7-7. Mm-hmm. Very lucky. Um, especially because, I mean, the uh, Niners kicker, Robbie Gold, apparently hurt his uh, groin in pregame warm-up so they had no kicker today hmm. so they, they actually tried um a, a, a field goal with their punter it was like a 40-yard field goal or something like that and he missed it so it, it hmm. should have been probably 10-7 going into the half um but yeah so the CS were lucky to be tied going into halftime uh and then they just like totally like Seahawks surge in the second half. Like, you know, Russell Wilson is an absolute magician. Um, I don't know how the, 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 uh, touch on that he threw to, uh, Freddie Swain, how he escaped the sack on that. I'll never know. Yeah. Like it looked like, so he got, Dave was a DB blitz. Um, the DB had him wrapped up. Looked like he had him by the ankles 
And somehow Russ Just being like the <laughs> magic man that he is, uh, he escaped, uh, got his ankles free, uh, booted out to the right side and threw a pass to Freddie Swain right in the top uh, corner of the end zone there for a touchdown. Um, and then the ensuing kickoff, Trenton Cannon uh, fumbled the ensuing kickoff, which led to another seven points. Um, so it's kind of like just like just the, the perfect storm for the Seahawks in, in the second half there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson is uh, is the magic man. And I'm still trying to figure out who is El Diablo. Uh, <laughs> maybe Shane Waldron. Maybe uh, like can DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett share El Diablo? Like, I'm not quite sure. But either way, shake and bake. <laughs> shake and bake, baby. Shake and bake, baby. Do, wait, did you understand that reference? Of course I understood that reference. Oh my god, I'm you, so You make a lot of fun of me for like my lack of movie watch, but it's just because it's not the same movie watching uh, that you partake in or... Yeah. Maybe maybe the problem is, is that I partake in a lot of movie watching and you pay, partake in a little bit of movie watching. Yeah, mine's more TV series. I'm I'm more into the TV series than I am movies, but... I'm, I also really like to watch movies over and over again because I always find something new in the movie that I missed. So that's see, more I, of my style. I am. I, I do that with TV TV series and Nadine loves to rewatch uh, TV series. I love to rewatch movies. Like, I mean, Christ, I own close to 500 DVDs, nice. Blu-rays, DVDs, wh- whatever you want to call them. Nadine hates rewatching movies. Hmm. And I'm like, but why? Like, that's the best part. Like, yeah, there's some movies that you can't really rewatch. Like, um, Memento is one that comes off the top of my mind. Or, like, Fight Club. Um, once you know kind of, like, the secret, you can't really re- Like, you have to, like, take a number of years off before rewatching it. <laughs> hope, hoping that you forget what the, what the, you know, secret of the movie is. Just to surprise you again. Right. But um, yeah, that was, uh, you know, Seahawks week four. Um, they came away with a win. I was ready to rage quit this game. Like, you know, when you're getting your ass kicked and mad and you're just like, I quit. And you slam down your controller and walk away. I That was me watching the Seahawks game in the first <laughs> half today. I was, I was ready to rage quit and walk away. Um, but I stuck it out and, uh, and they you know, pleasantly surprised me, uh, with a 28 to 21 win. I'm a little bit nervous about Thursday night football. Uh, are the Rams going to come in, uh, all pissed off after getting their ass kicked against the Cardinals or, uh, are the Seahawks, uh, going to, you know, kind of take the momentum from this game and, and carry on into Thursday. So I'm, I'm really excited, uh, and also nervous about Thursday, Thursday night's game. Uh, but let's hear about, uh, you know, Mr. LaMarvelous Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. This podcast is going to be so Eeyore like if the Seahawks ever go through like a true rebuild. <laughs> You're just going to come on here. Oh, and this was stupid. And and uh, I had to eat broccoli for lunch, too. And oh, nobody eats broccoli for lunch. <laughs> I think a lot of people do. Um, oh, you got the purple up there. For the Ravens rundown, going into Mile High Stadium, 
there was talks about Justin Tucker maybe attempting a 70-yarder. He was hitting 70-plus bombs in warm-up. But they were going in to face an undefeated Broncos team. Uh, This team has a legit defense. Their defense uh, kind of hasn't really gone away. Uh, They've got tons of weapons on offense, uh, maybe just missing a quarterback to be serious contenders. The thing that was highlighted early on, and I know this kind of surprised you a little bit, even though you didn't message me about it, and that's uh, Tyson Williams was inactive for the game today. That one was a shock for me. Uh, we're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into that more. I'm gonna stop you there because we're gonna get into that a little bit more. Um, we've previewed the the mailbag question, so I'm I'm gonna make you hold your thoughts on that one. But Le'Veon Bell was active for the game. Uh, I've wanted to see him in this Ravens offense for many years when he was with the the Steelers crushing us the other way. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do. He got a little bit involved today, um, had a huge face mask. There's a picture circulating Twitter right now where, you know, his head is basically spun all the way around. And the joke behind it is somehow the Ravens got a penalty on this play. Um, but he, he looked good. It, it For me, it's hard for a running back, especially one who is used to being a bell cow, to really stand out when you only get four carries. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to see more of him. But like I alluded to earlier in the season, I thought maybe uh, Latavius Murray might start taking uh, the share of carries. He had 18 of the team's carries today, so he was kind of used as a number one. I don't know if they're going to rotate these guys, if that's how, you know, your guess is as good as mine if you're a fantasy owner of any of these Ravens running backs. Um, best of luck trying to figure it out because I haven't really figured out the rhyme or reason behind it. Uh, so that was the first thing that kind of happened Um, one thing that really stood out to me this game is that the Ravens offense for the first time, and I can't even remember how long, uh, the first time in forever. Hey, I already sang that song, man. Stop trying to one up me. (laughs) Um, their offense was actually taking what the defense gave them. Uh, the story towards the end of the game was, uh, they were so close to 100 team rushing yards. And that's because the defense was selling out to stop the run. And uh, what did the Ravens and Lamar do? They used their passing game and Lamar looked really good. He had over 300 yards today, one passing touchdown, no interceptions, which I really like to see. Didn't need to use his legs as much uh, again because the Broncos were selling out for the run. And it's just nice to see the team not forcing like, uh, you know, the square peg into the round hole kind of thing. They saw what the Broncos were doing. They made the adjustments and uh, they kind of dominated the game. Like this was the first time all year that I wasn't overly stressed. You know, for, for the first early parts of the game, I, w- I was hoping they would come away with, you know, some more points to to build that cushion. But the second half came in and they kind of just took over the game. Um, one thing that I saw on Twitter, uh, I can't remember, I'm just going to pull it up here. This was from 
Oh, I can't even remember. Uh, it says Lamar Jackson is the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for a thousand yards and rush for 250 yards in the first four games of a season. So he is on pace to throw for 4,577 yards while rushing for 1,186 yards. So if that doesn't show you that he has been busting his ass to evolve as a passer and that, you know, that part of his game is there and always has been, they don't even have Rashad Bateman yet, who is going to look amazing on this offense. So it's just really nice to see uh, another side of this team where they can throw when they need to. They can come back from behind when they need to. They can run when they need to. Um, And their defense, another big point, their defense was actually getting pressure on the Broncos, which was really nice to see. It was... It was a game where it was almost vintage uh, Wink Martindale, their defensive coordinator, where he was sending blitzes all the time. And their their DBs and their secondary uh, was was playing lights out. So that was really good to see uh, that part of the game. And uh, one one note about some injuries as if we can handle any more injuries. Uh, their left tackle, their backup left tackle, who swung over from the right side, uh, Villanueva, he went out with, I believe it was an ankle injury. I think it was the same ankle that was giving him issues in practice. And they started in Andre Smith, former first overall pick Andre Smith, uh, came in and he just, he just doesn't look good. He, he just got (laughs) elevated from the practice squad. Like, I I think he was an opt-out last year. He just looks lost out there. They had two tackles who were not their starters playing, and the Broncos' defense was just burying them on the edges. Uh, so they were getting lots of pressure. But to Lamar's credit, he was moving around in the pocket, and he was able to find the right reads. He was able to escape the pocket when he needed to uh, and make big plays with his arms. Uh, And then one last kind of note here on the game with about three minutes left to go. The Ravens get the ball. um, And they, they have this 42 game consecutive 100 rushing Uh, yards as a team on the line and I think they were at something like 83 or whatever it was and they actually had the ball on the line where they couldn't have gotten enough yards even if they punched in a score and of course everyone's thinking as soon as you score you're up by so much you're just going to take a knee and even at one point the announcers they were on like the three yard line and they had uh like 92 yards or something like that where they they couldn't get to 100 and the announcer goes uh they should take a five yard fault penalty for false start just so they can punch it in from further behind and i was like (laughs) you idiot Uh, so they obviously don't do that and they they end that series at 97 team rushing yards and of course everyone's you know i don't care i'm like they just solidified the game they're gonna win the game uh, all things come to an end. You're, you're holding did, your finger up like, excuse did me. Did you just say 90, 17? 
97 team rushing yards. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> 97 team. It's a new word that I made. <laughs> I'm like, see, that's not a real number or a real, real word. <laughs> At least you're kind of paying attention now. Uh, I've been listening the whole time. Yeah. So they get to 97 <laughs> yards. Uh, the Broncos get the ball back. And Drew Locke is marching. They're playing prevent defense. And uh, on the last play in the end zone, Drew Locke throws an interception to Anthony Averett. And there's three seconds left on the clock. And we're like, sweet, the game is over. And uh, I just go on Twitter just to see like reactions. And I see all these people saying, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And I'm thinking are they actually going to run to get that hundred yards? And sure enough, you, the camera pans back to the huddle and the announcers are saying, yeah, I think they're going to go for it because they're not in victory formation. And so part of me is like, I don't really care. Part of me thinks that's still cool that they're, they're trying to continue this record or, or at least tie the record, uh, but it, it kind of shows you how much this means to coaches and players that they know they've been they're on like they're doing something historic right now. And it really means a lot to them. So last play of the game, direct snap to Lamar. He scrambles out to the left and gets five yards. So they get 102 yards and they tie the uh, 1970s Pittsburgh Steelers for the most consecutive 100 yard uh, team with an M, uh, <laughs> rushing yards. And part of me kind of wonders if it wasn't the Steelers who held the record, if they would have went for it. I, I think they still would have, but I think it was, you know, it's the Steelers, so we want to take that record away from them. So that there's a storyline going into next week, uh, so if you're curious. was the was Averitt's interception, was it, sorry, was it in the end zone? It was, so it was a touchback. So it was a touchback. Okay. So yeah. I was going to say like, you know, like maybe it was in the end zone. He tried to like run it out and got tackled the one yard line, like an idiot or something like that. But no, they yeah. are like clearly in the back, which I love seeing that stuff. Like so often you see teams being like, Oh, like we weren't, you know, we had no idea what the <laughs> record was, or we weren't thinking about the record. We're like, yes, you no, cl- <laughs> clearly, clearly you were. Yeah. And clearly you wanted to get it. And in this scenario, like, it was important to Harbaugh and the Ravens, which I, I love seeing stuff like that. Like I'm all for that stuff. Like I don't care about like, you know, like, Oh, like you were already going to win the game. Like it was 23 to seven. No, like get out of here with that 10 ply <laughs> reaction, reaction. Like, no, like if you want to do something, go do it. Like yeah. if the other team has proven that they can't stop it, go do it, go get those extra, three, four, five yards that you need to break that or to tie that record. And now next week, let's go beat it. Like, absolutely. I'm all, I'm all here for that stuff. Like I I remember, I think it was, uh, actually the year before Sean. So, uh, I think it was 2006 that Sean Alexander broke the, um, uh, touchdown record, uh, for most touchdowns in a single season. And the year before, it was like they had the opportunity to do it. It was like fourth and goal from the one yard line, and Holmgren like kicked it or or something like. like it's just, so like ever since then, I've always been in the back of my mind like, 
no, like you go for that. Like you do that. You do that for your team. You do that for your players. Like your players have worked really hard to make this happen. Do it. Yeah. Like, what is it hurting? Like, oh, and if he doesn't get the five, if he doesn't get the three yards that he needs to tie the record, no love lost. You're yeah. not going to lose the game. The You're only, still the only, only, only thing I could ever see from this is if somehow a player got hurt on that last play that didn't mean anything to the season. Um, right. They would probably take some flack, but I, I agree with you, Chris. It's it's kind of neat to see how much they really want that. And whether it's a personal record or a team record, kind of like when Adrian Peterson was trying to break the single season rushing record, they were just giving him uh, every possible carry they could into that. So, uh, yeah, that's everything on our two teams. Big fun week. The Seahawks, the Ravens win. We're happy. We're moving on to week five. But before we move on to week five... We have everybody's favorite segment of your podcast listening week, and that is the third down. And Chris, I hear that you might have a little special news. And for all of our live viewers, they might have maybe guessed at kind of what was going on. I mean, first of all, it's about time you said that this is everybody's favorite segment. So it's just be like it's a third down, your favorite segment. I'm like, it's not my like. I mean, I mean, it is my favorite segment, but it's everybody's favorite segment. Everybody oh, loves third down. Listen to like, you with semantics over here. That's you know, just I'm just happy you finally got it right, Steve. Glad I can help you. Anyways, it is time for the third down, and it is time for a little bit of big news uh, for you guys. I'm I'm wearing a bit uh, wearing a new hat this week. And uh, and that is because this week's third down is presented by Bad Tattoo Brewing. If you're like Steve and I, you love quality beer. And that's what Bad Tattoo Brewing provides. High quality craft beer made with only the finest ingredients. And each brew is perfected before being released. Go sign up for the Bad Tattoo Beer Club and have these beers delivered right to your doorstep. From Bonavista to Vancouver Island. <laughs> That's right. All across Canada. Because this land is my land. <laughs> this land is your land. Be one of the nice. first people to purchase limited release beers with no monthly fees, no commitment, and no minimums. This week, they released their peanut butter chocolate porter to beer club members. So go sign up for the Bad Tattoo Beer Club today at badtattoobrewing.com and also check out Bad Tattoo Beer Club on Facebook. Yeah, I we're super happy to uh, have that meeting down at Bad Tattoo. They hooked us up with some swag. Um, you're showing off your beer there. Uh, my eyes are super bad, so I'm just going to let you tell everybody what it is. That is the Juice Bomb New England Ooh. IPA. Yeah, and you alluded to one of my favorites that I list or I wait for every year that they've had it out, and that's the chocolate peanut butter stout. Um, it's so good. And uh, on our meeting, that was when I learned about the beer club. And what a cool idea that you can just go online, uh, you can order the beer. No commitment, like you said. Uh, you know, you're not pressured into buying anything more, and they deliver it right to your house. 
And I was just, your doorstep, guys. So I was looking at how much it is for the chocolate peanut butter, and it's 85 bucks for a flat of tall boys. That means that's, cool. that's, that's 24 beers. 24 beers. So it's three dollars and fifty cents for a tall boy of amazing craft beer. Oh, did we mention? Yes, we did. It gets delivered right to your door. It's a right win-win situation. And so the one I was having uh, the other day, where's my camera? There it is. Uh, there, I guess you would call it the sister company uh, from Counterflow. Uh, the particularly particularly peach, uh, hazy pale ale. It's delightful. Uh, when we met with them, they were telling us about how they only use like organic, pure, like uh, fruit pulp. Peach in- pulp. Yeah, yeah, like pure pulp in their beer. And you can really tell the difference with these. Um, I'm not really much of a sour beer guy. And uh, their sours are fantastic. So I agree, Chris. Quality beer, definitely go check them out. If you're in their store, you can't not buy a pizza there. I know I'm using double negatives, but like you walk by the store and you're saying, I'm getting a flight of beer and I'm getting some pizza. It's delightful. Best of both worlds. Yeah. And, and like Steve said, like they make a peach beer, they use peach pulp. The coolest thing that they told us the, the other day, they have a pecan pie oh, uh, yeah. beer coming up. Oh my goodness. Do you want to you know how they made their, <laughs> their pecan pie beer? They literally took whole pecan pies, like crust and all, and threw it in the brewer. Like pasteurized that thing, cooked it down, and included it as part of their beer. So guys, like when we're talking so about like cool. the finest ingredients the freshest ingredients like we're not kidding like these guys are are the real deal check them out bad tattoo beer club at badtattoobrewing.com go sign up you're not going to be disappointed uh for anyone in bc you can find their beers all throughout british columbia in their liquor stores but like i said vancouver island to bona vista (laughs) all across canada you can find Bad Tattoo Brewing, and uh, and we are certainly happy that we have them local right here in Kelowna. Yeah, we should, um, before you give us the matchups there, we should mention they are in uh, Penticton. That's where they first started out, uh, just down by the beach there. Uh, and then they just recently in the last year made their Kelowna store, which is also down kind of by the sales in Kelowna. Two great locations. Uh, doesn't matter which place you're at, go support them because we do. Absolutely. And if you guys go down there, if you go go to the Kelowna spot, the Penticton spot, tell them that the Ballhawks sent you. Um, they, they'll, they'll love to hear that. So anyways, this week, third down, uh, again, presented by Bad Tattoo Brewing. Uh, I have a couple matchups for Steve. As you guys know, everybody's favorite segment, you know the rules. I give Steve some matchups. He picks his favorite. At the end of it, we run them all down. He gives me his MVP. I was going to go a different route this week, Steve. It's mm-hmm. actually kind of funny. I was going to go kind of like a, you know, like fall tradition, like October-ish type style. Like, you know, like it's fall. It's a little bit cooler in the morning, nice and warm in the afternoon. But <laughs> you said you watch movies. You said it. I do watch you movies. Just, you just said it. You said you watch different movies. Yeah. Not maybe not like, you know, quantity, but like quality, I guess you'll call yeah. it. So you understand my movie reference. So I thought, you know what? Let's do it. We're gonna do 
the breakdown, the head-to-head matchups of Judd Apatow movies. Judd Apatow, you have severely confused me. You'll understand once I get into the into the matchups. You'll know every most of these. I'm I'm sure. All right. Anyways, man, third down presented for the first time ever by Bad Tattoo Brewing. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Third down. All right. First matchup we have. This is forty, which always makes me laugh because of the kid I yelled at at the playground a month ago. <laughs> uh, versus forty-year-old virgin. So the battle of the forties. Yeah. Well, like same, um, like same. I guess movie universe. Um, you know, this is uh, the or forty-year-old virgin came first. Uh, this is 40 came after with characters that were part of 40 year old virgin. So, so uh, you've also hit at least one that I haven't watched, which is kind of funny because I do like Paul Rudd, uh, but I have not seen this as 40. The, the age of wonder Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yeah. He's actually a vampire. He does not age. Um, I, I do love 40 year old virgin. I think I have it on DVD somewhere. Um, it was just a classic, classic, classic movie. I don't think there's anybody our age that doesn't know what this movie is. Totally. Um, and for a while there, I was kind of wondering if I was going to fall into that category, you know, living in my parents' <laughs> basement forever. Uh, I think I moved out of my parents' basement when I was like 26. <laughs> I can't remember how long, but, um, Yeah. I'm going with 40-year-old virgin on this one. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> um, Just seeing if I could throw you off with that comment. <laughs> and I clearly yeah, you, did. <laughs> you, sure, you sure did. You sure did. I was like, this um, is going to be kind of a boring response. What could I say <laughs> to just get Chris going a little bit? There you go. Um, I, I will say this is 40. As I... Uh, as I approach 40, now that I'm 35, uh, this is 40. I, I, I watched it recently, actually, right after I yelled at that kid at the playground <laughs> and said, I'm basically Leslie Mann from This is 40. I, I was like, I'm going to rewatch that movie, actually. And it does get funnier as you actually get older and approach uh, that age. Um, you so can relate to you want, it a little more. What's that, sorry? You can relate to it a little more. Oh, dude, 100%. So, yeah, anytime you want to... Uh, borrow this is 40 let me know i i, I do have it and it, it is uh you know i mean it's it, it's an apatow movie it's paul rudd it's uh his wife leslie man or judd apatow's wife leslie man um so yeah it, it it's definitely comedy it, it's quite funny it, you know doesn't uh it's not 40 year old virgin level funny so I, th- I think that's probably the you know picking that one as the winner is is a a, a, a clear choice good start um the next matchup we have uh, Knocked Up, which, of course, with the Seth Rogen, Catherine Heigl uh, classic, which does that fall in the... F- no, it doesn't fall in the 40... Leslie Mann's in that one, too, so that's where I got thrown off. I'm like, is that part of the 40-year-old virgin kind of like universe? But it's not. No. Um, so anyways, Knocked Up versus Super Bad. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, I've at least seen both of these, so that's a you know a good start. Um, 
It's been so long since I, these are a lot of these movies. I, I'm having a feeling are going to be one of the ones that were kind of one offs for me where I just watched them once. Uh, you and I talked about before we started recording how one of my favorite things to do if I find a good movie is I like to rewatch it a lot to find little tidbits I, I didn't see before. Um, I'm positive I've only seen Knocked Up once. It probably was in that, I, I don't know, I'm guessing like 2007, 8 range kind of idea. Um, don't remember much of it, so it couldn't have been that good. Super bad was great. Um, just some that it, it was one of those movies that kind of set the trajectory of the careers for those guys, or at least kept it going to where everybody knows who Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill and them are. So uh, I'm going to go with super bad on this one. I, I love that movie. It, that movie is so, so funny. Um, you, I mean, you couldn't have gone wrong with either knocked up or super bad, but I think super bad is, is the, the, the clear winner here. Like, that came out in 2007, so we were would have been a, in our early 20s when that movie came out. Um, and also, so, I just think for the simple fact that McLovin was in one of those movies makes it the clear <laughs> winner. Like, <laughs> well, I, I just think too that like w- with when that movie came out, like we could really relate to that. Like we weren't too far out of high school, you know what I mean? So it's like yeah. we watch that movie and we're like yeah that was high school like that that absolutely was high school so um i i i also love like just like the the background story of that where like seth rogan and evan goldberg have been writing that script since they were like 13 years old or something like that so that's like jonah hill is seth because he's seth rogan and michael Sarah is evan because he's evan goldberg so like that little like just you know, deeper dive into it is pretty cool as well. So definitely, um, definitely good choice. I mean, super bad is good, but um, definitely doesn't hold up to soup. Uh, sorry. Knocked up is good. doesn't hold up to super <laughs> there bad. You go. <laughs> there we go. Words are hard. You're doing it. Uh, Peter. A uh, <laughs> couple more matchups here. Um, so next one we've got, I guess, you know, kind of like, a, I don't, I don't want to say like girls versus boys, uh, but we have bridesmaids versus step brothers oh <laughs> oh man this choice is like hot lava i think oh yeah this one's like cutting your eyes out or like you know cutting an ear off or something like that i've seen step brothers more times than i can even count but the kicker for me is Step Brothers was like, it still is one of my top movies of all time. And when I saw Bridesmaid, it like you, you almost compared it to that or like to an Anchorman right away because it had that same like kind of vibe to it. And those movies I put on like a huge pedestal and Bridesmaids hit it. Like the scene when uh, the they're trying to get the cop's attention in the cop car and they're like, oh, look, I'm not using any hands. Like I distinctly remember like literally crying tears out of my eyes watching that scene. Uh, so Bridesmaid is a very valiant contender, but Step Brothers is one of my favorite movies of all time. 
Wow. I, I thought you were going bridesmaids for sure there. And I was like, no. Wow, is he really doing this? So fun fun fact, my first fun fact of the evening, <laughs> I might add. Um the first time I saw uh Step Brothers, I actually I, I saw that one in theaters when uh when I was still living in Kamloops. I actually hated that movie the first oh, time I saw it. No. The the first time. Now that movie is one of my all time most favorite like so many good one-liners top five um at least comedy movies of all time like i mean i'm sure you can ask nadine she's like stop quoting those stupid movies yeah (laughs) i yeah Step Brothers has just so many classic lines like you you go to anyone and say did we just become best friends and someone's gonna go high five you and go yep Dude, it's just I, I, so good. Literally, when um when Carter was born, actually, uh we got the kids uh uh we got Carter a onesie and Olivia a teacher because Olivia was three or almost three, whatever, close enough. Um, so we got uh, the kids' shirts made, and we got Olivia's said, "Did we just become best friends?" <laughs> and Carter had a onesie that says, "Yup." So <laughs> like, awesome. Totally, like that movie, like. <clears throat> Sorry, did you say Pam or Pan? <laughs> Pam Pan. We're going to be interviewing <laughs> as a team, actually. Was that with it? Was that with an N? Was that with two N's? Like, <laughs> or like, oh man, or Seth Rogen? Like, did, did did you just fart? Like, yep, yep. I I can smell it, or I can taste it. Is that is that is that onions? Like, <laughs> oh, there's just too oh. many good ones. Too many good ones. Yeah, it was me, it was Johnny Hopkins, and it was Stone Slithering. Now, I'm not going to swear on the podcast, but when they get their TV taken away, they're like, <laughs> what? And they just lose their minds. It's like, oh, that get that literally gets me every time because it's so ridiculous, like, what they're saying actually, in it. You know which line I actually probably use more than any of the other ones? Like, as much as I used to, did we just become best friends? The Catalina wine mixer? No. <laughs> Look at all this room we have for activities. Oh yeah. So and that, then, like, that's what makes it stretch great, out there's, and there's like there's lines you can use that are appropriate for all ages. Like I've used that one in my classroom before where like we're moving desks out of the way and I was like, man, there's just so much more room for activities in here. Yeah. <laughs> they they don't get it because they've probably never seen it, but I'm having a good laugh anyways. Damn kids. Yeah. Watch a movie, kid, children. Okay, <laughs> um, last matchup we have. Um, God, like I want to say this is the heavyweight matchup, but like Avatar movies, they're all good. Anchorman versus we referenced it earlier, Talladega Nights. Anchorman, one hundred and thousand fifty million percent, not even close. Done. I loved Talladega Nights doesn't even loved it it's great it's it's one of my top movies but it doesn't even hold a candle to anchorman but you don't want to go fast sometimes you (laughs) got to go fast but (laughs) okay i just want to give this one an honorable mention because i didn't really find a matchup for this one to go up against um but this one is one of my actually all-time favorite apatow movies so i i do want to mention it and that is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, that's a good one. I love that one. one. Yeah, I love that one. I, I almost bumped out This Is 40 
uh, for for getting Sarah Marshall, but I was like, eh, like this is forty versus forty year old virgin makes sense, but like, um, yeah, that that one is actually probably. I mean, God, these are all great movies, but no, what, um, what's the word you keep saying? Like appetite. Like is that Ap- a Judd Apatow? Like what? Fill me in. So, Judd Apatow is the producer or the director. Oh, I see. He's like a director. Something, something like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. see. He's something like that. Yeah. Would, so, would he have been I, like those classic, like Paul Rudd movies, like I Love You Man or anything like that? So he wasn't part of I Love You Man. Oh, okay. But that, yeah. So like I Love You Man is one of my other like all time favorite, like kind of like comedy Jason Siegel, Paul Rudd movies. Like that's, that where, movie that's is... where you kind of threw me off. I was like, what is that word? Or uh, obviously it's a person's name. I was like, how did he not put I love you man in, but he put in yeah, other no, Paul so Rudd I, movies. Okay. I see Apatel that. wasn't part of I love you man. Um, so like Le- Leslie Mann, who is the, you would have seen her knocked up. She was Catherine Heigl's sister knocked up. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so Judd Apatel, like, you know, routinely kind of like cast his wife and his kids and in, in movies and, and what have you. Um, but yeah, he, he was the director or producer. I don't know. One of those fancy titles that those fancy movie men get to have. Um, okay. So let's uh, quickly run down uh, your top ones here. Anchorman, Step Brothers, Superbad, 40 year old virgin, uh, I mean, if you want to include Sarah Marshall, you're more than welcome to. But what is your MVP? Now, based on my previous answers, you'd think this was like a runaway of Anchorman. And it is. It's my MVP. But Step Brothers is a very, very close second. Anchorman, I... Let's see. I... I'm going to say I'm in the 100 episode, like 100 times watched it. Range Realm. That's how many times I've watched the Step Brothers. I'm probably more in like the, you know, 50 to 60 kind of range. Anchorman was just when I was, you know, going through high school and university, it was the movie that all of my closest friends referenced. We had every inside joke based off of that movie, Um, you know. It's just it's so good. I think it really set the tone for uh ridiculous humor or whatever you want to call that stupid humor uh where Will Ferrell basically became famous for his you know whatever that whatever that brand of comedy is I call it stupid humor because it's you know so ridiculous damn it who put a question mark at the end of the teleprompter for Fisher he always reads it's funny because you actually did that uh, last week with the teleprompter. I, I do it subtly all the time. Yeah. All yeah. the time. So, yeah. it And that's the thing. is like Anchorman has, uh, again, like so many classic one-liners. Like 60% of the time it works every time. <laughs> I have used that way too many times <laughs> in my life. And people are like, what are you talking about? That doesn't or, even make um, sense. Like, yeah, um, I know. I love lamp is another good one or just loud noises. <laughs> yeah. That one is just, that's, that's almost on a whole nother realm. It might be my number one might wow. be my number one. Like ever all time, ever all time. Yeah. Ever all time. 
I, uh, I I think that is a definitely a, a, a good, good, pretty, pretty, pretty <laughs> good choice. Um, but I struggle because I loved Step Brothers so much. Right. I say like I just I, feel I, like Anchorman is on a whole different level. But if there was possibly one comedy to challenge that, I think Step Brothers would be right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's and a, that's and okay. because, you know, obviously, like, uh, I, I'm from a family where it's uh, two families blended together, four boys, not just two boys. So some of those things I can almost relate to just a little bit more uh, having that split family. So, right. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a lot that, of fun. That's okay. Anchorman is your MVP. Um, I'm still not giving you the first down. Oh, but come it, on. It's a good choice. I mean, I'll give you like fourth and one. Not even fourth and inches like you well, got last week. because we, yeah. we, we had a genuine agreement last week with the, the, the guac and chips. Um, this week with Anchorman, like I'm, I'm torn. I'm still too torn to give it to Anchorman hands down. Um, so I'm, I'm not giving you the first down this week. But... Saying that, I do want to say thank you again to Bad Tattoo Brewing for presenting the third down this week. And don't forget to go sign up for the Bad Tattoo Beer Club over at badtattoobrewing.com. Definitely. Uh, we have a very late last minute kind of mailbag. We have three questions. Uh, the first one from our friend Michaela uh, at Michaela Mattis. You can find her stuff, uh, or sorry, her podcast, uh, PNW Pacific Northwest Showdown. Uh, make sure you check it out this week for my uh, question of the week that has Seattle in uh, a bit of a dilemma, let's say, for what they would rather have. So Michaela decided to, uh, you know, send me back a little bit of that love uh trying to come up with an impossible question for me so she said would you rather the blue jays big fan of the blue jays win a world series next year not cool it's too soon uh they just got eliminated today or the ravens win the super bowl this year and since we're talking about this year i want the ravens to win the super bowl this year we can revisit this question next year when uh, the Blue Jays are going to be the 2022 World Series champions, you can mark that down, bookmark it, uh, screenshot it, do whatever you got to do. Ravens win the Super Bowl this year. We're talking about this year. That was an easy one. I can't wait to hear her response. Uh, on- Who cares? <laughs> Anyways, Um, our second question is uh, directed right (laughs) at the crosshair is on Chris's face. Uh, (laughs) There's a little bit of a backstory to this, but he said our friend Kyle at 20 cap on Twitter just picked up Tyson Williams in fantasy and was offered DK Metcalf. Do I accept or hold out for something more? (laughs) I just love Kyle sometimes. Uh, so first of all, Kyle, take the trade. Um, take the trade. Second of all, backstory. I have Tyson Williams in our fantasy football league. I put him up on the trade block. 
I was offered Carlos Hyde for Tyson Williams, which I found to be a little bit offensive and a little bit <laughs> uh, low value. So I said, you know what? Like, this is a stupid trade offer. And I countered that trade offer with saying, send me DK Metcalf for Tyson Williams. Um, knowing full well that, you know, counter would be rejected. And that was the end of trade conversations between me and that uh, owner of DK Metcalf. Um, I, I am offended so yeah. and I am hurt. Yeah. So, it, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm all for negotiations but don't send me carlos hyde he was like the i'm was he i'm god I, okay i was gonna say wasn't he inactive this week but so was tyson williams so <laughs> anyways i think that's the whole <laughs> core of the joke um we're not gonna go yeah uh kyle if you were offered dk metcalf for tyson williams take the trade man take the trade no brainer trade um, our buddy Ryan Hank at always 94 on Twitter. <laughs> I know our, our friends just love trolling us on this podcast. <laughs> Is Cordero Patterson an absolute fantasy diamond in the rough? Uh, fun little backstory to this one is I don't think Ryan actually remembered that he had Cordero Patterson on his fantasy team until <laughs> we pointed it out along with all other members of his fantasy football team. So uh, he does look like a diamond in the rough. I, I was joking with him, him and I were playing ball today and I was joking with him that, yeah, when was the last time Cordero Patterson was like somewhat relevant? I don't even know when he got drafted, but he got drafted in the twenties first round by the Vikings. And, you know, they thought he was going to be this burner wide receiver, you know, a wide receiver one hasn't special, really panned out anywhere. Special teamer, whatever. Yeah, he hasn't really panned yeah. out anywhere. The Falcons decide to move him to like this hybrid and let him be a running back and carry the ball. And he looks like, to his credit, like good for him. He looks like he's kind of rejuvenated his career and he's rejuvenated his his value to a team. So, yeah, I think maybe Diamond in the Rough. Question yeah. on the teleprompter? I mean, um, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, Cordero Patterson has seemed to, you know, kind of rejuvenated his career. He was kind of always that like tweener, like, is he a wide receiver? Is he a running back? Is he a special teamer or special teamer? Like, you know, like a, a Devin Hester type guy, like, you know, is Devin Hester a wide receiver? Is he cornerback or is he just a strict special teamer? Um, and that's where Cordero Patterson was kind of like falling down that same kind of path. Um, but yeah. Atlantis seems to have been able to have figured out like Cordell Patterson's uh, strength. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, Ryan just messaged us in our, our Google Hangouts chat nine years later for Cordell Patterson. So, you know, good for him. Literally almost a decade later, he has found a role on a team and he could be an impact, probably not for the Falcons because they're not really doing much, but he could find himself in a valuable position for a team uh, that might actually do something. So yeah. uh, we're uh, just over the hour and a half marker and uh, we're going to be wrapping her up here. So uh, thanks again to Bad Tattoo for uh, meeting with us, giving us some gear to sponsor this week's segment. We really appreciate that. 
Um, if it wasn't hunting season, I'd also have my hat on, but oops, wrong, <laughs> wrong shoulder. I don't know what I'm doing. It's, it's behind me there. Um, so thanks to them and thanks to you guys for your viewer questions. And as always, Christopher, I leave you with the last words. Yeah, guys. Uh, thank you everyone for listening, for tuning in live here, uh, while we're live on Twitter. Really appreciate it. We are the ball Hawks, uh, podcast, uh, proud member of the Dean Blundell network. You can find us over at deanblundell.com. Uh, keep an eye out for our podcast over there. Uh, any blog posts that we make, which we're, you know, doing our best to, uh, you know, stay on top of those blog posts as well. Once a, once or twice a week, you know, one from Steve, one for myself, uh, doing our best to, to stay on top of it over there also. Um, thank you again for the guys over at uh, Bad Tattoo uh, Brewing. Ryan over at Bad Tattoo has been uh, super awesome. Had a great meeting with him this past week. Um, like I said, if you go into Bad Tattoo Kelowna or Bad Tattoo Penticton, make sure you tell them the Ball Hawks sent you. And uh, be sure to sign up for the Bad Tattoo Beer Club at badtattoobrewing.com. Like I said, guys, there's no monthly uh fees there's no commitment no obligation like if you don't want to order the beer don't order the beer but go sign up and maybe something's going to catch your eye that you're like yeah i want to try this and uh like i said all across canada they're going to deliver it right to your doorstep if you're in Kelowna or penticton or i mean even the okanagan like vernon uh salmon arm Kamloops, whatever um if you want to pick it up go go order it and go pick it up like that that is an option as well uh, anyways, guys, go give me a follow at Phillips Chris 12. Make sure you follow Steve at SS Fisher 87. Don't forget the Ballhawks uh, podcast account at Ballhawks underscore pod. Give us a listen, subscribe, rate, review. And as always, guys, I'm much happier to say it this week. Go Hawks. Peace. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.